1: Is up everyone? Just a week after losing the Milan Derby, the door was left wide open for Inter to reclaim top spot in the tightest Scudetto race in recent memory. But just like that, sexy Sassuolo slammed it shut again. Elsewhere, Tottenham made trash of our pre-game predictions, as they do sometimes and sometimes they don't. (laughs) PSG got punched in the nose, La Liga's big three all got the job done, while in Germany there was some bad news where the USMNT is concerned. I'm Heath Pierce alongside Jimmy Conrad and we are here to break down a rollercoaster weekend of European action. The K Weekend Recap begins right now. Now, everyone, if you're watching this live on YouTube, like the video, go on. It only takes a second, costs you nothing. More likes means we get more K in front of more people, more eyeballs. That helps us grow. You know, it's snowball effect. You know, it helps make this thing uh, greater than the sum of its parts. And some of you are listening to this in podcast form. That's nice of you. Some of you know uh, what's even nicer. Some of you don't. And that's leaving a comment. Leave a review. Give us five stars. Leave a great rating glowing ratings and reviews help us life hack you can do it now while you're listening to this that would be great jimmy connor what is going on
2: man first and foremost hollywood heath i want to see and say well i see Matteo benetti in the chat and i want to say hello to one of the voices of seria on cbs and paramount plus always great to see you mateo and then secondly i got to MC the jersey unveil for the san jose earthquakes this upcoming season i did it on friday night and heath i can't tell you how many people came up and said Say hi to Hollywood Heath for me on the Kegolosso podcast. It was pretty awesome. It is. I was like, wow, thanks for listening. It was pretty cool to to actually meet uh, some fans that are listening. If you're listening now, we appreciate you. Yeah, I thought maybe that was. Uh,
1: I thought that maybe was um, AlphaCon that you were hosting over the weekend. I don't know if you saw <laughs> some of the, whatever that crazy you know thing what? was. But, I, I like to dabble uh, in a bunch of different yeah, conventions. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And what's up to Matteo? That's awesome. Uh, that, that he's that he's hanging out with us uh, here in the in the comments. So Jimmy, let's let's get straight to some of the the, the weekend action. Obviously, um, where do you want to start? Well, we're going to start in Syria because, you know, yeah. plus, baby, We you got to do it. But guess what? My run a show literally while I'm looking at it right now, what we're going to talk, talk about There's a lot to talk about, literally just kicked me out right now. So I have to go into my email again <laughs> on my, on my, on my phone to give me the two step. I uh, did not Uh, I, you got to give me one second. I'll be back in it here in a second. Oh, we're coming back live. Okay. God, goodness gracious. I couldn't remember anything. Let's throw the uh, serial table right on the screen, though, just for the uh, for everyone that's uh, watching this, yeah, in, uh, video form. But well, um, quite uh, a bit of controversy uh, when you think about just the Milan teams in general, plus Juventus uh, dropping points. I mean, where do, where do you want to start, Jimmy? You want to start with I'll the Inter start- Milan Sassuolo?
2: Actually, I'll start with AC Milan. I thought that them going against Saar Natana as well. You can't even see them in the, this first part of the graphic because they're all the way near the bottom or on the no, bottom. No, they are the okay, very I was bottom, trying to be Jimmy. I was trying to be like, at, about not at, not near. Uh, they are at the bottom. They just hired their third coach this season, David Nicola. So I guess going into this, they had their, what their second manager bounce, new manager bounce this season. Mm-hmm. And they didn't play particularly well coming out of it. AC Milan scored early, a junior Messiah a nice uh, little slotted it in. And it felt like that early goal almost worked against them. Like, oh, now we can just kick back. You know, we're going up against a team that doesn't have a lot of confidence. We're better than them. We got, we we're, we're going to win. And, Stefano Pioli actually came out and said, the manager of Milan, that after we scored, we started to play more frenetically. We, we weren't clean. Uh, they started to fight and, and earn and win the second balls. And we just could never really, I'm paraphrasing him here, but really like maintain and, and dictate the pace of the game anymore. And he was pretty disappointed, but they couldn't make the most of his spaces. They paid a heavy price for some naive errors. And Mike Mignon in goal obviously gifted uh, Sauronatana a goal. I say obviously, I'm assuming you've watched the highlights, but if you haven't or didn't see the game. I mean, no one comes flying out for no particular reason. And at least yeah, it's like an goal. early
1: cross high. It's a floater it no and it's reason. at the very top of the box. Like, it's and he's not been even, so solid yeah, all
2: season. Yeah. Like that just feels really erratic from him. And I feel like, and you've played enough that when you get into a game and somebody you count on is starting to act erratically, it does permeate to the rest of the team. And it has this little ripple effect. And all of a sudden somebody else gets a little nervy and then somebody else gets a little nervy. And Pioli said it actually before this game against Salonitana, that that his team was a little nervous about being on top of the table, even though Inter, you know, they can feel the pressure a little bit. Inter have a game in hand and obviously didn't make the most of it today against sexy Sassuolo, but uh big missed opportunity for Milan. Giroud had a great chance. He's still yet to score away from home in Serie A this season. He's lost scoring at the San Siro, but can't do it anywhere else. So, so we'll see if he can uh, figure that out because it's going to be of the utmost importance if they actually want to win this good edit of the season.
1: Well, I mean, if if, if our if our friend Mateo is still in the comments anywhere, uh, unless he was just on a, on a little uh, stop-and-go uh, pass-by, uh, would love to get his just take in general of who the biggest yeah. loser was. And actually, anybody that's watching this right in now, who the biggest loser in Serie A was over the weekend, obviously, Sassuolo beating Inter 2-1. Huge. And here's a fun fact for you, Jimmy. Sassuolo have won eight of their 18 Serie A matches with Inter Milan. They're 8-2-8 and eight against them, which is a wild stat. And we know that sexy Sassuolo are, 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 are sort of Ooh. a giant killer in a lot of ways, but... Inter have failed to win 3 Serie A matches in a row for the first time since January 2020. Uh 3 jaws under Antonio Conte and okay. we'll talk more about him later Can on. Can I
2: later. throw you another fun fact about yeah, Sassuolo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Sassuolo in this in this last this year or the season, they they have beaten AC Milan and mm-hmm. Inter and Juventus away from home. That's the first time a team has done that since Fiorentina In 1955-56 season, Fiorentina went on to win the Scudetto that year. It's only happened four times. This is the fourth time it's happened in the history of Serie A where a team has gone away from home and beaten Inter, Milan, and Juve. And the other teams were Fiorentina back then. And Torino and Vicenza did it back in 1946-1947. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, everybody. That is is a fun fact. So we got got a Matteo tweet up on the screen right now.
1: And this is what's even more wild, right? You just talked about the Giant Killers. But they beat Milan 2-0. Then Sampdoria batters them 4-0, you know, and then you have Sassuolo beats uh, Milan, and then you have uh, Bologna beats Sassuolo, Sassuolo beats Juventus, and Verona beats Sassuolo. I mean, you
2: talk about the fact of like they playing have, up and playing down to your competition and just they getting... They don't have time for the little mid-table yeah. crap or, you know, relegation. They don't have time. They just want to prove themselves against the best. I I I like that mentality.
1: <laughs> well, let me let me ask you this. Do you think, uh, I mean, where do you think this uh, things are leaning right now, right? It, because I started to feel this vibe different Uh, this different vibe about AC Milan. Hey, they got this momentum now. It's a little bit of a different belief. And we saw them sort of shaky earlier in the season after a fantastic start to the season. And then Inter Milan just linger around. Napoli are the ones that we kind of continuously write off in terms of winning. But it just continues to be where no one really wants to run away with that. Uh, Do you think that's a nervousness or or the responsibility of being at the top of the table? Or is it just an indicator of of, of how difficult uh, Serie A is and just sort of the inconsistent performances that we're seeing from a number of these teams right now?
2: I'll say this. I think that every team goes through a little bit of a lull during a season, and it's just when that lull occurs. Sometimes it happens at the beginning. you kind of like working out your identity with some new players, a new coach, whatever it may be. And it looked like Simone and Zaghi had his team figured out. Now, they didn't have Barella for their Champions League tilt against Liverpool. They ended up losing that 2-0. Even though 2-0 felt a little bit harsh, he gave up two goals, not in the run of play, but on set pieces. Today, they missed out on Brosevic, and I actually thought his presence was a little bit missed. Now, I've been on Handanovic, their goalkeeper, for a little bit. He, I don't blame him for either goal that, that uh, Sassuolo scored today, but I thought he could have done a little bit better on the first. And I really feel like you need him to make some timely saves. And maybe he did last year when they went on to win the Scudetto. And they also got those timely goals. Lukaku would sometimes put the team on his back and maybe paper over the cracks that, that this inter-team, though good and solid... Maybe just had this this boost from Lukaku kind of having these individual efforts to break through, roll somebody off the shoulder of the center back and bury one. And all of a sudden that releases so much pressure that the team's under. So, so and I'm gonna reference this this point again against Chelsea because Chelsea, I think, have only scored six goals in the league in the last five games where you have to be perfect. And when you have to be perfect every single game, it's gonna be very hard to go on to win any kind of title because at some point you're gonna crack. So I don't know, I was disappointed at Inter. They got fortunate that Milan dropped points as well. And as you mentioned with Napoli, they got a big chance in their next game to to go to the top of the table. And we'll see if they can handle the pressure. I don't know. If anything, it's kind of letting Juve sneak up there, even though they didn't take the points against Torino, to to maybe get back into the conversation as well, which would be wild at this point, given how Juve have been inconsistent as well. Well, that's absolutely
1: it. Obviously, you just mentioned it. Uh, Napoli play away to Cagliari, uh, Cagliari, uh, depending on yeah how yeah you play. yeah um and moving on to let's talk about this Juve Torino game you know I I mentioned it before when we had the Barcelona Espanol we had some of these um, when you when you have sort of the the local not Espanol who is it that Barcelona played recently um, was it Espanol yeah it was Espanol yeah uh, the the local the local rivalries and the opportunity yeah. now obviously this leans heavily historically towards Juventus uh, but Juventus hit a little bit of a road bump here. Um and and they end up drawing. Do you think this is a moment like a stop of momentum? I was reading some of the comments just about the team. There was uh, some injuries as well. of Three players coming off uh, in in that matchup. Where I'm a little bit worried. Right? Rugani comes out during the warm up injured. Pellegrini starts in his place. He comes out uh, injured, at which half-time. they're trying to downplay at halftime. And then DiBala also comes out with what they're saying is is nothing to worry about. But do you think this is a a, a momentum killer for a team that's that's trying to? seemingly finding their best 11 starting to creep up the table a little bit, or do you just think it's circumstantial in the fact that they're kind of at this point of the season where they've got uh champions league coming up, then they've got Empoli after that.
2: Um, I mean, what's your take on, on, on okay. the state of Juventus? Of My first take is, and it's not, it's a non-emotional take, right? I'm not getting into the emotion of, of their performance per se. They just played a Derby game and a Derby game just isn't the same as other games. And, and I think that has to be taken into consideration, especially because Torino probably were, you know, obviously at this point, uh, away at Juve, have to punch above their weight and have to perform. And, and I think they were up for it. You know, they didn't make it easy for Juve. And Vlahovic, I thought they did a good job on him. I thought he was relatively quiet. Maybe his most quiet performance so far. Well, Jimmy, what 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 Juve. what
1: the manager had said about him is that they kept making him run everywhere, right? and really And right. he's got to find this new thing. The other comment he made about about him was was that he's not used to playing two games a week. He has he's been on a great run but he's at a team that plays one game a week. And sort of like giving building yep. some parameters around him of like hey, you need some time and this is a different level and this is a different type of uh, setup for him. Sure. Um and and a, when a he's not going way. direct to goal, uh it's you know when he gets pulled all over the place to, to to go find the game, it's not his best uh his best style of play.
2: No, that's a great uh, that's a great point. The, the the rhythm, right? He's he's in he's now into a new rhythm where you have to play really really important games every 3 4 days where Fiorentina they hope you win, but it's not always expected. Whereas at Juve, you're expected to win every single game. We, we talked about Locatelli playing next to Zachariah. That that happens. But Allegri elected to go with Rabiot over McKinney. Now, is that because they've got Champions League midweek and he's taking that into consideration or would rather have McKinney fresh? That's, that's more than possible. But I thought they missed a little bit of what McKinney brings, a little bit more of that box-to-box and, and adventurousness, right? Where he... He takes some chances and maybe some risks that Rabio won't. Rabio, I think, likes to sit and look look to maintain possession. He'll run and break the lines every once in a while. McKinney's looking to do it a little bit more, especially without the ball. Now, Zacharia, I think, is better as a six, but they want that to be what? The regista, right? The deep line playmaker. And he, I don't think he has that. And I think he's a little bit more of an eight. But if they want him to play a little bit more out wide, I think the the name of the role is a Mazzala. And and an eight is a central midfielder that goes out wide. And I don't think Zachariah looks as comfortable out wide. So they have to figure that out. If he can pinch in a little bit more and let Quadrado. And I think that happens for the most part. But there are moments where I think he gets pulled out a little bit into channels that he's just not as comfortable with. So I think they're going to figure that out. Right, you got new players. New system, new rhythm for these new guys as Blahovic and Zakaria. And today they just went up against an opponent, or excuse me, this weekend against Interino, where it's a derby game. And so my emotional take is, you gotta play McKinney. My non-emotional take is, it's okay, I get it, you know. And they did drop some points. I think what hurts the most with this result is that Milan ended up drop, dropping points. They played on Friday. Milan drops points, Inter drops points and and if Napoli doesn't drops points too, it, it is a massive massive missed opportunity for Juve to, to climb and gain some ground on some of these teams. Jeez Luis, Jimmy Conradinho, dude, the naturalized <laughs> Italian from Brazil, uh Conradinho <laughs> with uh, his, his some of this
1: Italian talk, I love it. Uh it's fantastic. Uh, elsewhere in in Syria, um yeah, Roma played 2-2 with Verona. Mm. Uh this is this brings me <laughs> Joy on so many levels. Maybe not you so much, Jimmy, but obviously two tani- teenagers of uh, Volpado, who's 18, and, and Bove, 19, pull Roma level. Mourinho then gets sent off for kicking the ball away and making telephone gestures at the ref. Uh,
2: <laughs> you know,
1: while, while the spectacle is fantastic, you, Jimmy, as a Roma fan, I mean, what's your take on the overall performance or state of this team? It just seems very rocky. I mean, on one hand, it's great. You're developing players that are performing that are teenagers. But on the other hand, you're kind of falling from the pack uh consistently here where you're almost settling into being a different team. Nobody's talking about you in the way that that they that they would have uh earlier on in the season with Jose Mourinho at the eh. helm and you know Tammy Abraham and some others. Uh, yeah. I am not saying they were ever going to be in a title race, but you know,
2: they're now in eighth place. No, I know that. But they're five games unbeaten in the league. I know they in, in between that they Jimmy don't lost.
1: call it five games unbeaten when three of those are draws. Okay,
2: don't 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 make don't wear rose-colored lenses. I am on, on I am this, I'm know? going positive on this because okay. I know they lost the Copa Italia 2-0 to Inter. But there is something about this team and the fact that they went down 2-0 and figured out a way to solve that problem and and some pretty inspired subs. We know from Mourinho and I put behind me if you can't see me I have a sign behind me that says Mourinho is my spirit animal because I love the fact that he got the ball and kicked it. <laughs> to the, I love that. I love that. This pumps me up. I mean, it matters to him. But the fact that he never really relies on younger players, and he did in this particular moment to go in there, and then they ended up paying off for him, is pretty cool. And I think maybe, maybe shows a little bit of an evolution to Mourinho and his goddamn stubbornness. That's such where, a lie. There's okay, no evolution there. No, there is no evolution. He is who he is. Uh, I, I think at the end of the day... Rui really, Patricio still makes maybe too many mistakes when you need him to be solid. You know, the game you need him to, like, come up with saves, he he he, he just gives up soft goals at times. Um, so that's been bothering me from a Roma support to support. And then and then also, in fairness to him, at the defense in front of him isn't great. And I feel like they give up way too many opportunities. And I thought Verona were just a little bit sharper in those areas, in those moments. And it just kind of lacks... When I watch Roma play defensively, especially when the ball gets in and around the box, it's like they're looking at other people to do the job instead of just doing it themselves. That lack of awareness or that that lack of danger. Like, oh, what we call, I call it when I coach, like it's an oh shit moment. Like you can see everything unfold. Can you get there before it, it gets as bad as it can get, which is obviously giving up a goal. And I don't feel like Roma, there might be one or two guys that are in that mode, but then the rest of the team is in a switched on. And so, I, that must frustrate Mourinho because you, you can't go out there and play for him. So that that because that's so consistent, that that's gotta get it's getting tiring for me as a fan. And they they pay for it every single game. They seem to pay for it, unless Rui Patricio has a good game. So what I mean, they're they're kind of where I thought they were gonna be. They just need to go on a little bit of a run and they'll be right back into the conversation for fifth or sixth. They're not too far off of it, but uh you got to love Jose Mourinho making the news by kicking the ball into the stands. <laughs> I love it. And just as a reminder,
1: uh, make sure you get in in the comments and, and join in on the conversation. We'll throw those comments, questions, concerns up onto the screen whenever possible. At least our producer, Dez, will do that. And by the way, if you didn't already know, tomorrow, Cagliari, Cagliari playing Napoli. Uh, yeah, yeah, on, on Paramount+. Plus, You don't want to miss uh, that one. And here you go. Uh, yeah, Ace yeah! Milan drew against Salernitana. Inter Milan lost to uh, Suolo Napoli play... Uh, yeah, yeah, right. I, I if I say it wrong one more time, you know someone's gonna crush me. So the I race for the Scudetto ca- keeps on getting Kallari. better, as you can see.
2: Cagliari, Cagliari, I don't know,
1: Cagliari. Yeah,
2: yeah, Kallari. that works. But fast. yeah,
1: um, make sure you tune into that if if Do you're on, it. if you're if you're at your office or Do you're it. at work or you're working from home, just throw it on. Do great. it. It's a gr- it's it's a great great game. It has uh, implications. So uh, let's move on, Jimmy, to uh, kind of check in on how the uh, teams playing in in Champions League next week fared uh over over the weekend. I think we've got a graphic that we can throw up uh here as well. And by the way, on, on Monday we'll be doing an in-depth preview of all the week's Champions League games. So keep your eyes and ears peeled out to the Kegelasso uh podcast and YouTube feeds because uh they're great and they're a lot of fun. So um great. yeah, check it out. We got a Ooh, graphic here. Champions on League
2: schedule. Let's go.
1: And by the way, our producer, Des, just mentioned um, as he as he works in real time, uh, shifting around the, on the screen that tomorrow's President's Day. So you got no excuses uh, if you're off or if you're not. Just tune in. Join in on the conversation. But yes, of course, obviously, as I mentioned, the, the preview is going to be coming out soon. Chelsea play Lille Real against Juventus, Atletico Madrid versus Man United. Uh, an interesting Man United. Jimmy, we'll get to them. Benfica play against Ajax. And then over the weekend, obviously, Juventus drew one one with to Torino uh, Real. Uh, four one over Granada. And by the way, you can check out LME's interview with hat trick hero Arnaud
2: Denjuma, uh on the Kagolasa feed. It's really good. Good performance by Yellow Submarine. Very good. Yeah. And a Absolutely. good interview as well. Everybody should check that out. He's, he's seems like a pretty cool dude. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll, we'll break out into some of these conversations a little bit more as we go through our show
1: today. But Chelsea one nil over Crystal Palace. Lille drew nil nil with Mets. Um, our boy Timo Wea coming off the bench, uh, in the first half, I believe, uh, for an injury. Uh, or coming on for an injury. Uh, Benfica played 2 2 with Reggie Cannons Bovista Bovista. Uh, Ajax win 1 0 over Willem Twa or Willem Twey, I believe they're pronounced. Uh, Atletico Madrid, Jimmy, huh? 3 0, baby. Luis Suarez, Luis uh-huh.
2: Suarez with a beautiful little banger maybe there. Maybe goal La Liga season. Go on, Luis Suarez. I mean, the
1: way he struck that, by the way, left foot, if anybody didn't see, uh, unbelievable hit where he put his head up and hit it from long left foot and whips it around the keeper who's, you know, a little bit stranded in no man's land.
2: Well, uh, and the man united. Okay, no, 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 no. You're, you're under, doing under. that goal a disservice, Heath, because it was an Osasuna corner. Okay. Osasuna had their own corner. They whip yeah. it in. Jo- it gets clear. Osasuna,
1: who, oh, by the way, that's that's three nil doesn't tell the whole story of that game. I, I, you know, I, I had chances. I, I, I'm happy to jump over. We could come back to it uh when, when we get to the La Liga se- uh, section later on. But Osasuna had chances in the first half. And it did. but it was, yeah.
2: That that but but, w- but it was a corner for Osasuna. The ball yeah. gets cleared. It goes to Joao Felix, who hits it first time into space into the running path of Luis Suarez, who then scored. They scored on two touches off an Osasuna corner. It, which is insane when you like think about how is that even remotely possible? And Atletico Madrid pulled it off a necessary win for Atleti, especially having those good vibes uh, going into the Man United game. So You know, who knows? Who knows? I I agree. And then
1: finally, that last team uh, playing in Champions League, uh, Man United versus Leeds. Man United win 4-2. We're going to talk about all Mm -hmm. of that. I can't wait. I uh, can't wait. uh, In each each one of these uh, little sections. But listen, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into some more specific leagues.
3: We'll be right back. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands.
0: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love,
1: and uh, that was a quick little break, but uh, we're going to get back into it. And don't be shy. Get into the mix. Join the comments. Uh, throw in some comments. Throw in some hot takes. Throw in some questions. We'll get those up on the screen. We'll force Jimmy to be a little uncomfortable. Maybe his hands will sweat if you ask the right type of question. Jimmy, I want to talk about the Premier League. Okay? Right, let's do it. And we got lots of things we can talk about. We can we can jo- go back, forth, whatever. But I want to start. Man City versus Spurs. Spurs win it at the death. Conte had an unbelievable week. Do you think... This is the specific question before we get into the game itself that this is a revival moment for Spurs. Or Didn't what, they have that though?
2: In City? Didn't they have the revival moment where they scored two goals, see Bergwine and injury time? Yeah, but Lester. this is Harry. I mean,
1: this was a Harry Kane led uh, Spurs match. You know, like this was, this was, this had classic Spurs, Spurs and uh, Kane and Son had that one-two combination where they kind of finally on the same page again where they're looking for each other like you'd have with big teams where you have two stars and you're like, well, if I go with that guy, then that guy is running into the space behind me. And they're kind of, you know, they have just had these world-class performances and on the same page again, which I hadn't seen in a long time. Is it a revival or just we saw an unbelievable performance from, from Spurs? Uh,
2: I think it was an unbelievable performance. Uh, I think that looking at the game itself and then, looking and listening to the comments from Antonio Conte and, and Pep Guardiola afterwards, I mean, Conte came out and said that this is what we worked on. We worked on counter attacking. And what I think that Spurs did really well is they showed some vulnerabilities in man City's defense and in their transition game, not from when we think transition, we always think defense to attack. I'm actually saying the other way from attack to defending that, that, that Spurs did to great effect and they punished them. For actually, Jimmy, let me, let me thing. pause you real quick. Yeah, shoot. Give me your anecd-
1: Anecdotally, how did how did your brain work as a player? Was it was transition to you more often in your mind when you heard transition? Was it defense to offense or offense to defense as a
2: defender? And, oh, in the way that you're. I, no, I always thought defending to attack was like when I hear the word transition. Now, I you just kind of naturally assume when I when I guess when I think about without the ball, I think more about team shape and and that collective pressure. Like, how are we going to press? Where are we trying to win it? Yeah, I, I I guess I don't think about when I think of the word transition, it doesn't always like it doesn't trigger defending when i think transition it's okay i have the ball we just want it how are we going to get in and out like in back and through how are we going to unlock their immediate pressure especially if you have an organized team that you're playing against so i I just thought the spurs were a good did a good job of that they conceded 70 percent possession which isn't my favorite i hate when you see a team like spurs who do have quality to hold the ball just just kind of like oh you can have it but in this particular instance, because City is so good at wearing you down and they will find those pockets of space and will exploit you if you get too stretched out, I can understand why teams, even with top-quality world-class players, do come in and try to be a little thoughtful about how they want to move. And that first goal was tremendous. You know, Harry Kane, you know, good hold-up play. It's interesting. We use him as an example. If you're going to beat a team like Manchester City who does have so much of the ball – you have to have a player that can hold it up so that you can move your team forward. Because if you are going to sit back and and try to defend at your 30 30 yards away from goal, when you win it, you still got a long-ass way to go before you can even create an opportunity. And that that takes a lot of energy itself. So not only do you have to have that energy to be disciplined in your team shape defensively, but then when you get it, how can you hurt mm-hmm. him? So with Harry Kane, I thought his hold-up play was very good. You know, he gets it, he finds his release, right? He gets it, holds it up, plays it back, and then... That just allowed things to get unlocked. And the weight of his passes, I mean, sometimes we talk about him. He might have been a great fit for Man City as a player because they like their number nine to kind of act like a number 10. They like their number nine to be able to be comfortable in the outside channels. And I know Conte came out and said that he doesn't want Harry Kane to be sideline to sideline anymore. He wants him to be a little bit more narrow and stay more central because it helps the team. Uh, move in a different way, and it allows human son to have actually have space to run into. But some of those goals were world class, some of the counterattacking yeah. goals were unbelievable. And I think what happened after Riyadh Mahrez scored to make it 2 2, they it's not that they relaxed a little bit, but it's this is a sign for me of a tired team, a team that plays a lot of games. All they needed to do was close down the player that was going to cross the ball, and then Harry Kane wouldn't even have found himself on the end of it to, to head it in. And they just didn't get out there with any real. Not that, that was an urgency, but it's just kind of, you know, when guys get out there and the ball's out wide and now I'm standing up and they kind of like they don't really go, but they're out there, you know, and, and maybe they're blocking a bit of a passing lane. So the guys in the box can maybe read where the ball's going to go, can attack it accordingly. But you, especially Heath, have to know that there's when you're tired, you kind of just go out there to be a guy so that they, they cross it and don't take you one on one. But I just thought that I saw City do that a few times and they got punished for it. And and Pep was pissed after the game, Heath, because he's like, we didn't give him any chances, but they scored three goals, and, and and you know that's that's what we've seen happen to City at times. Now they're going to respond, and they're going to be fine. And I think, well, at least we got a title race on our hands, but uh, which I appreciate with Liverpool winning. But uh, that that's what I saw from the game.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, our producer does poses an interesting question here. Is is last week uh, we thought that uh, Conte's comments were demoralizing to the team, right? Mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. sort of just. Even, even, even the comments about Kulisevsky. uh, and then you see a bounce back performance like this. Obviously, players are all motivated by their own internal, uh, I guess, motives and 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 things that drive sure. them. Now, those can be uh, shaken and 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 all kinds of things depending on the support that you feel that you have, the 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 the, the morale of the team, the locker mm-hmm. room, the energy, and 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 the facilities, and all those things. But is 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 the narrative about Conte here, or is this just like a great team performance? Because what I saw. You know, and, and I just saw this connection between Son and, and Kane that I hadn't seen it again in a long time, where he's such a, a threat behind, where yeah. you see it from uh, occasionally, but to be on the same page as much as they were, where, like you said, somebody that can hold the ball up, lay the ball off, or be able to just slot somebody through knowing that a team is vulnerable, they're carrying possession, they're sending numbers forward. Like It just felt like it was finally Spurs doing what they do best and keeping a team like Man City honest. Uh, when they when they probably thought that they could control all that.
2: No, that's true. I'm actually looking back to see uh, when they scored the first goal or, or if they scored the first goal. And obviously, they lost to Wolves prior. They didn't score the first goal in that one. And in the Southampton game, they got an own goal. They went up 1-0. Then it was 1-1 very quickly. And then 2-1 Hingman Sun. And they gave up those two late goals to lose Southampton at home. I, I just was trying to th- – I, I just wonder if the game changes, if City scores first because that first Spurs goal was so good that and it came so early that it I feel like it gave Spurs that belief that they could go on and do it that hey, today's our day. And, and, and it coming from a player that had been criticized by Conte that that hadn't really put his mark on the team just yet. and for him to have coolly slotted home like it was no big deal, you know it was uh, I thought it was really cool. and, and I think it just gave the, the team that lift and energy to go on and like let's fight. we have something to fight for here. If City scores first, I don't know. I don't know if I feel the same way. Will Spurs punch back at that point, being goal down when City starts to then suffocate you with their possession? It, it's hard to say, but but they had 21 shots in total, Spurs, or excuse me, City. And Spurs had six uh total. Spurs got five of six on goal, which led to three goals. And only four shots were on goal for for City, which is pretty surprising. Given how much possession they had. So, you really have to give a, a shout out as well. I thought Christian Romero, just his mere presence and not having Davidson Sanchez in there, who at times I think has been a bit shaky, I thought was important as well. So, I don't know. Get to back to your original question. Is this, is this a watershed moment for Spurs where they're going to kick on and, and turn their season around and really kind of find that consistency under Conte? I don't know. But uh, I think that I think they put themselves in a, in a good place. And I think for all of us neutrals, that don't really have a horse in the race in the premier league. It's pretty cool that the title race feels like it's back on. Yeah, and obviously uh uh Liverpool beat Norwich 3-1. And this they loss They were down Man's 1-0 city. by the way. I just want to say, Whee, yeah. that was going to be tight.
1: I I read this thing about Norwich and and I thought about this with with regards to Cilarini when you said it earlier is is when I was reading they were like and it's pretty true which is they are who they are, right? Mm-hmm. They don't yeah. have the money, they don't have the funds. They're they're far undermanned in terms of being a competitive team. Uh, and occasionally they can punch people. And sometimes it looks like they're in matches, and then they sort of just fade off into to, uh, almost oblivion um, mm-hmm. by, by mm-hmm. giving up games. And obviously they're not expected to beat a Liverpool, but like you said, to go up, I think it was on some crazy deflection um, goal. But they all out, Heath. Yeah, they <laughs> all, I, I fully agree with you, Jimmy. You and I both know who, who didn't get to score uh, all that often. Uh, every, every one of them counts. And by the way, for all of you that are just arriving, make sure you like, comment, subscribe to the channel. And I want to know, who's winning the Premier League? It
2: is back on, Jimmy. Uh, you know what, I, can I talk about Liverpool changes? really quick? Can yeah. I talk about Liverpool really quick? I actually Please. was pretty excited and inspired by Jurgen Klopp going with Sadio Mane in the false nine spot, or in the nine spot. Mo Salah on one side and Luis Diaz on the other, and they were interchanging. And and for the most part, and I just thought, imagine having that type of luxury that you have Firmino, you have Jota, but now you got Luis Diaz, who scored a tremendous goal, by the way. Great through ball by Jordan Henderson, which was... I don't know. I'm trying to decide what was initiated first. I think Diaz making a good hard run in behind, but a good classy. But finish. you just
1: his first touch is it's unbelievable so good. It's on that so good. finish. Where when you ever if you ever see somebody in stride, and that first touch sets them up for that finish. Yeah, yeah. And the first touch is better than the finish, and the finish is I, nice. You're just like it. this is world class. Uh, just like on 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 the stride, it was unbelievable. Yeah,
2: I, and all three of those guys scored. You know, uh, Saudi Mane scored a ridiculous goal, and and Mo Salah gets an assist from Allison up over the top, and you know that like it's a hail mary. They have, they definitely, it's just like a set play, and and mm-hmm. uh, you love to see it. And uh, Mosalah almost didn't get it out of his feet, but uh, ends up scoring with his weak foot. And it was just a good performance. You know, they they have some very talented players. If Liverpool stay healthy, this could come down to the very end. If I'm not mistaken, I think April 6th or April 7th is when Liverpool travel to the Etihad to play Man City, and that Ooh. could have massive implications. I already have it circled on my calendar, except I had to circle both dates because I can't remember which one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, but the, that weekend.
2: That's pretty good. It's, it's, that, weekend, <laughs> it's, it's, it's that, that weekend, man. It's that weekend.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, Man United beat uh, Leeds 4-2. Yes. Uh, man United have gone 50 games without managing back-to-back clean sheets. Again, I, this is another one where I, I think about Spurs in the same context of mm-hmm. are we seeing something Different, obviously, for for Leeds on, on one hand. For them, they play Liverpool next, and then they have Spurs as well. So not an easy schedule by any means. But focusing on Manchester United, they got Champions League coming up. But you know, there was uh, some energy to the, to the way in which they played. Do you think it's going to make a difference? Obviously, a little body language from uh, Ronaldo coming off again, uh, even though they were winning. Um, you know, having to come off the pitch. But uh, you know, kind of what's your take on on Manchester United right now? When we're with regard to uh, the top four. This year, right? You've got Spurs getting that big result. Uh, yeah, Arsenal yeah. won over the weekend, and then and the Man United in the mix as well as West Ham.
2: Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a pretty impressive result because they were up zero. then they let it slip. And I, and I wonder at that point at two two Leeds had a lot of opportunities, and I was like, holy crap, they're going to give it up. And and if if they had given up that lead, I, I really fear for for they wouldn't have fired Rangnick. But I just don't know if he would have been able to regain the trust of the group. Like, whatever he's doing, it's not working. You know, everybody's frustrated and super emotional. But the fact that they punched back and that Fred came on in the 77th or 78th minute and scored a couple minutes later, and scored a very good goal, by the way, I feel like what Fred did, whether you love him or hate him, and I feel like there's no in between if you're a Man United supporter about Fred, When he came in, it just felt like the team was a little bit more balanced and that the team actually looks a little bit more comfortable when Fred's on the field. Because I think, and you know this too, Heath, we've played with players that don't hit the stat sheet for any for any particular reason, but they do these little things that make the game a little bit more predictable and easier for everybody else. And I think Fred falls into that category. And and Fred came on for well, for Paul Pogba ultimately, or Jesse Lingard. I thought Pogba, by the way, can I just I want to have can I have a quick aside about Paul Pogba, everybody? Please. This guy, when he's under pressure and he can feel somebody on his back, he is so silky getting out of stuff. Sometimes now, obviously, he tries it in areas where you are like, please don't do it, Paul. And then he does it. You are like, God, that guy's world class, right? But, 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 God, he's so good. I love watching him play. And, and there are some things that he does that other players on the team just can't do. And and so it's hard. You just wonder where is his best spot? How can we 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 use that in a, in a positive way? Uh, in, in, more often than that because uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. want to get too far into the Pogba stuff because I'm a huge fan. But at times, I think he is a bit of a defensive liability where he maybe takes risks when he tries to win a ball or whatever. And maybe his positioning isn't as sound as it can be when you just have these workers. When McTominay and Fred are out there, they just work. And when they you have workers, it just makes the game easier, especially for, for the center backs. And so, but Ilanga comes on for, for Fred and, uh, or excuse me, Fred and Ilanga come on for Pogba and Lingard. And I thought those two subs just gave the team a little bit more better balance. And, and they looked a little bit more comfortable and they went on and won the game. And also, and when we talk about in-game management, they saw the game out. Now we've seen already plenty of examples, Heath, where United get themselves in a good spot and then they, just, they get a little leaky in defense. And I just thought they did a good job of seeing this game out because the game was in the balance at 2-2. And then Rangnick made some good super, some super subs and it changed the game. And I I thought that was uh, well-played by everybody. And I know that CR seven is going to be pissed, but they brought on Varon for him. It's not like they switched him out for an attacker. And uh, that just helps solidify the results. So it's a big, big win for Manchester United.
1: Yeah. It's still a little bit alarming the, the, to, to give up two goals, you know, you score late in the half, then you give up some within 10 minutes. You're, you're kind of, they scored in the the
2: 53rd and 54th minute. Yeah. it's, It's, it's crazy.
1: And, you know, I would love it if producer Des can throw up uh, the table actually, if he, if he's got it around uh, and and able to go up on the screen because it's just it gets really interesting from here, especially with Wolves. They have their two one win um, over Leicester, and then uh, it just starts to get real clunky here. West Ham United, Jimmy, I want to get your take on this West Ham on this West Ham Newcastle game. Uh, Newcastle continue. I think it's five or how many how many games in uh, like undefeated uh, are, are yeah, five, undefeated. five and yeah in it's it's yeah. it's pretty impressive considering the state that they were in, obviously expected considering that they are Newcastle, considering that they do have some talent. Um, But, you know, look, if you look at the top sort of six, seven, eight, you've got Spurs, you got Arsenal. Now you got Wolves who've inserted them into the conversation. They've got Mm -hmm. some games in hand compared to a West Ham United doesn't. They're sitting on 40 points. I mean, who do you, who do you think uh, ends up
2: even in in, in the order of it all? I still got, I still got, I'm going to stick with what I said before on the previous So I like Arsenal to finish fourth. I just think that they they had a good, solid performance against Brentford. Emil Smith-Rowe looked very good, looked busy. Yep. Their energy looks good. And and Brentford's not an easy team to, to just casually dismiss in some ways. I thought they were in relative good control of that game. Now, Spurs are obviously going to be in the equation. But where I mentioned before is... Mikel Arteta's got this group of players where when I look at Man United, when I look at Conte, they have managerial changes, you know, with, with, uh, or, excuse, Conte. look at Spurs. They both had managerial changes and that's hard. To like wrangle everybody in, get everybody on the same page, and then run, on, go on this tough run when you were like trying to compete in multiple competitions. I still like Arsenal to do the business. They're my quiet uh, dark horse to get that fourth yeah. spot. I think West Ham I mean, nine drop points. Off.
1: Nine points would put them, you know, even though they've only got what two games in hand over over Chelsea. I mean, it puts them in the conversation for for
2: your top three starts to to change the dynamic starts to change there. Dude, can we just really quick about Chelsea? They're doing what they they like barely getting results. You know, I know they. Doing the FIFA Club World Cup and all that, they needed an 88th or 89th minute winner from uh, Hakeem Ziyech to 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 win that one. Romelu Lukaku, by the way, only had seven touches. He had seven two in the first touches. half. Two in the whole first half. Two touches in the whole first half. That is crazy. That is, and, and, and I, I think one me. was in the third minute and one was something. One somewhere. was off the it's, kickoff. It, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. one of the touches <laughs> was off the kickoff. Listen, listen, I don't blame Lukaku. It's easy to say, well, this is a stat that's attached to Lukaku, but He's surrounded by other guys that should be able to get him the ball. And I was happy to see Pulisic start. We'll talk about it more in the U.S. Men's National Team Hour tomorrow. That's kicking off at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Come back and join us for that. But Pulisic was a little bit more central. He got 37 touches. You know, he was pretty involved. Then he slowed down in the second half a bit. But but it looked like Tuka was trying to get Pulisic on the ball a little bit more. And maybe because of that, Lukaku suffered. But seven touches overall, and one of them was the kickoff. That, that just shows me that... They need to figure out a way to get Lukaku the ball, even if he's getting stacked up by a team like Crystal Palace. Well,
1: I got to say, Jimmy, uh, just give me your quick take on Wolves because, you know, we talked about the fact that they don't <laughs> score much. Uh, they but they scored, scored two today. today yes, uh, to beat Leicester after going 1-1. Uh, and they lost three games. They got six points out of their last three games where they played Arsenal, Spurs, and Leicester City. I mean, that's pretty uh, impressive. I have, you know, going back, they, they lost to Norwich in, in the FA Cup fourth round. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a string of games. That can change the trajectory of a season when you start to believe in your own hype a little bit.
2: Well, what I'll say is, and everybody should circle this game on their calendar because it's happened midweek. Circle Arsenal, the weekend like Jimmy and then figure yeah, circle out Circle the, the whole week. Cause you can't remember <laughs> the date, but on the 24th, February 24th, Arsenal is hosting wolves at the Emirates. And that I think will have, or be a strong indicator for, for not only for you and I, but for the fans of both respective clubs as to their legitimacy for, for top four. That's yeah, Thursday, I, by the way, for anybody that's that can't figure that I out. I can't it's, figure it out either. Yeah, and then th- and then Wolves go to and then the following week, or no, the, excuse me, the game after on the weekends, which is on a Sunday, they're gonna play against West Ham at the London Stadium. I feel, really feel like those two games in particular, we're gonna find out if Wolves are gonna be pretenders or contenders for that top four spot. Even though they scored two goals today, they don't score a lot of goals. They don't give up a lot of goals either. So it's always gonna be a grind. Can I see them grind to that fourth spot? I don't know. I, I, I like Bruno Lage. I like what he's done. I know we've already talked that he does all these video meetings like twice a day to to really make sure the players know how they should move in different situations. And it's clearly paying off in some capacity. But until they lock that kind of goal-scoring form, I just don't see how they can zero-zero their way into, into the top four. That's well said. I mean... It's going to be it's going to be tough. But like you said, we'll but this find week, out, so, upcoming week, we'll yeah, soon, soon the, enough, the yeah. proof is in the pudding. And we got yep. two big, uh, two big opponents in the pudding this week. A way, a way to Arsenal and a way to West Ham.
1: Well, let's let's do a quick little whip through, Jimmy, of La Liga, Bundesliga, Ligue 1 as well. Obviously, Valencia, Barcelona, Aubameyang with his first start in the league. It, did you say that they,
2: they gave him the hat trick for that? They did. Uh, Pedri came on his first touch of the game as a sub. And he hits a a peach of a shot, but it ends up skimming the back of Aubameyang, and they end up because it deflected enough for the scores of La Liga. They gave that goal to to Aubameyang, who had already had to. So he gets a hat trick in his first ever start in La Liga. You love to see it, right, Arsenal fans? You love it. I mean, you just love to see that. Isn't that great? I mean, it's it, when you think about oh. Dembele, who who played who played really well, and you think about
1: Aubameyang, who's obviously you know, and and James Bench said this. They're gonna get his. They're gonna get his best as soon as he's there. And then for on Torres, you're, I mean, you, you went from you, you've got a squad in the attack. Um, does it matter? Uh, I mean, like, uh, is it enough for anything substantial? Or or did they just sort of, you know, find a nice little stop gap that's going to get them some fun results? Because certainly an on form or an in form
2: Aubameyang is one of the best in the world. Oh, 100%. I mean, just, just the variety of his goals today. You know, he hit one, got like kind of pulled off the shoulder, created a passing lane, took a good touch and roofed it into the the net for his first goal. Then he becomes, you know, tap in merchant and finds himself in a good spot. He almost misses it, by the way. I think it hits his foot in the bottom of his foot and goes in, but he doesn't care. They all and then count. He's just, they all count. And then he's just around and he's busy and and put himself in a good spot. I and mean, that's more fortuitous to get that third one, but he'll take it for sure. And, and I just like as the games go on with this particular team, Treori. Ferran Torres, Ushman Dembele, who was one of Aubameyang's teammates at Borussia Dortmund. They clearly look like they have a good relationship. They look like they like playing with each other, which I think, when I looked at Dembele prior, it didn't look like he was having that much fun while he was playing, right? And then the same thing for Aubameyang at Arsenal. Just Now it looks like he's... When Aubameyang has that joy, remember when he pulled out the Batman mask when he was at yeah. Dortmund? It's like, yeah. He was having fun and enjoying himself. And if he can tap back into that, that's an Aubameyang that I think everybody should fear. And if Traore gets hit going, I thought Sergio Dest was excellent. And In fact, javi came out today and said this is the best we've seen Serginho Dest and he was unbelievable today something cra- like the the, the 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 praise that javi gave Sergio dest was i couldn't i was like what is even happening and so he was good i mean he was the one that kind of set in motion a couple of the goals today and that's only a good sign for the u.s men's national team of course we'll talk about it tomorrow at the u.s men's national team hour kick it off at 1 p.m pacific 4 p.m eastern everybody but I was really happy with his performance. And, and now they've got a little bit of depth on both sides of the ball. I think defensively, you can still see some vulnerabilities there for Barcelona, which might be their Achilles heel for maybe kicking on to challenge Madrid for the La Liga title, especially Sevilla dropping points this weekend. But I think it will solidify their, sta- their stance and, and their status in, in the top four. They're going to qualify for the Champions League for sure.
1: Yeah, and then Espanol obviously uh, stealing two points away from uh, Sevilla. Sevilla finishing out on the draw there. Mm-hmm. Sevilla now six points adrift of of Real Madrid. Do you think this title race is is kind of all but wrapped up? And it, which is bizarre, by the way, because Real Madrid Benzema had a phenomenal game two assists assist and a goal, mm-hmm. and uh, all all in the second half. And it's just a completely different team that seems to function so well in La Liga compared to what we saw against. PSG, But do you think the title race is over and that's their sort of where they're going to find their 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 uh, wins this
2: year, Real Madrid? Well, yes, I do ultimately think that Madrid are going to go on to win the league. Atleti are way too far off of it. Sevilla, I never really thought they were. I thought they could maybe hang around and be maybe a nuisance, but really challenge. Because imagine, we're already seeing it in, in Serie A. All of a sudden, AC Milan's kind of hanging around, challenging, and then they get that top spot. Like, woohoo! This seat's hot, man. I don't know if I like this seat. So if Sevilla <laughs> did actually catch Madrid, could they handle that heat that comes with being the top spot? I don't know. I mean, I like I like their team. I like I love Julian Lopetegui, their manager. I think he's fantastic. But but that's that's a different kettle, man. T- different kettle of fish. And I think Madrid have enough experience in their team to be able to handle that and improve in that time and again. Betis, I think, will end up falling off as much as I love Manuel Pellegrini. So I think Barcelona will slip in there. Atleti, who knows? I think they might get in there as well. And then Sevilla will probably end up being top four unless Betis can figure it out. But but what I'll say with this, I wanted to almost say, can we wait till midweek or or when when the second leg of the Champions League happens in a couple weeks? Because if Madrid get bounced by PSG, then all their focus is domestic. And then I think for sure, I mean, if Ancelotti all he, all he had to focus on was the league week in and week out, they're going to cruise just like Inter Milan did when they got bounced from Europe last season. Well said. Uh, let's move on to to. to uh... Bundesliga. the Dortmund, Bundesliga. Bundesliga. So obviously
1: uh Dortmund 6-0 over Gladbach, but the thing that I wanted to mention to to everybody that's listening and we'll talk about it again more detail uh in more detail on the USMT hour tomorrow uh afternoon is Gio Reina coming off injured again. Um there's no real solid updates on what the injury was, but it was just you could see a deflating moment for a young player and and I think it's just a little bit worrying, you know. This is we, we we've been waiting a long time for U.S. fans, and again, we'll talk about it in detail tomorrow, and hopefully by then we'll have more updates. But uh, Dortmund rolling, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, and then also uh, Bayern Munich coming back with a comfortable win. Lewandowski scoring his goals that he needed to after going one nil down to uh, bottom We're of the, the table. like We're you know, fifth. bottom of the table things. They had some momentum here today when we talk about Salernitana, and, and then ultimately. Uh, they fell short of it in the second half because Bayern decided to play like Bayern and they were at home and ran away <laughs> with that one.
2: Uh, any thoughts uh, from, the, from the Bundesliga this weekend? Well, I'll say that uh, great response from Borussia Dortmund. You know, they had shipped five. They lost to Bayern Leverkusen five to two. They lose to Rangers four to two in the Europa League. And it's just Marco Rose, former manager, Borussia Gladbach, taking on his former team. So for them to have this type of performance without Erling Hollands and having Marco Roy step up, two goals and three assists in this one, was nice. It was good for them, and, and hopefully they can parlay that into a good performance against uh, against Rangers in, in at the Ibrox in, in Glasgow this upcoming week. But I don't know. Defensively, it's probably really good for them to get a clean sheet as well. If Erling Holland plays against Rangers, I think they're going to be fine. But this is a response that they needed. This is a response of a team that that... Okay, we're gonna take we're gonna start taking things serious because it seemed like at times almost too casual. Even their game against Rangers it just felt a little bit casual. The Gio Reyna stuff completely bumps me out, and we just got to get more information on what it is because we had his dad, Claudio Reyna, on CBS Sports HQ earlier this week, and uh, or earlier in the week, and he had mentioned that Borussia Dortmund did a really good job with his hamstring. Like he actually has been healthy for a month, a month, dude, and they just were really smart and easing him back. And when you see like post post the the World Cup qualifying window. They gave him 30 minutes. Then they gave him 45. He passed all those tests. Right. And then he finally gets his start against Munch and Gladbach. And then he gets hurt again. If it's the same hamstring or, and you know this, uh, well, if anybody's had significant injury, sometimes when you're trying to protect your hamstring, something else tweaks, because now you're kind of being over-reliant on another area. So I wonder if it's the same one, or if it's going to be something different, like a back or a quad or a calf, because, it's just trying to compensate to protect the 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 space that's been hurt for a while. I don't know. It's tough.
1: Yeah, it's it is it is tough. And you know, they they literally say, and I when I say they, I say sort of like the sports science people that the world's best athletes aren't the best athletes. They're the best. Their bodies are the best at compensating, right? Mm-hmm. They're the best at sort of readjusting on the fly to demand incredible like uh, um, just power out of their bodies. And anytime you have a re- reoccurring injury, or anything like that, it starts to become part of your head as well. So hopefully, it's nothing major to uh have to worry about with him but we'll talk about that more hopefully we'll have more information jimmy psg ucl hangover neymar started scored in garbage time and had a a a tame penalty saved i don't know if you've had a chance to go back and watch that penalty but it's one of those ones that remember when you start playing fifa for the first time again uh, a a new one comes out and you just don't know how to kick it so either you blast it into the stands uh in the video game or you you kind of like barely touch it it was like one of those slow rollers where like everybody just sort of was like oh my gosh can't believe that happened
2: <laughs> i mean they had yeah no no it wasn't it wasn't a great a great uh, performance from psg and i think maybe that play in particular kind of epitomized just how things were going to go but i i it's interesting because when i look at their team they got care you know right back novice and goal marquinhos can their normal center back pairing, Bernat, who I do like when he plays for them. No no disrespect to Nuno Mendes, who I really like their youngster. Verratti, Idrissa Gueye, Vinaldum in midfield. They're like, all right. And then you got Messi, Mbappe, and Neymar up top. And that, that on paper, that, that team should beat 99% of the teams in the world. But you still have to go out there and perform. Nobody, nobody owes you anything. You still have to go and earn everything that you're going to get. And I don't know. I don't know if there was a bit of a hangover. I think that might be the best way to explain it. I think they're actually... Fortunate in some capacity to not have to play Real Madrid this upcoming week, that the, the Champions League second legs are postponed—not postponed, but you have to wait a couple weeks before that second leg, so they can really try to identify where they are and what they're about. And who, what I just—I get the sense that—and correct me if you think I'm wrong, Heath or anybody listening or watching—they feel like they're so good they can hit the switch anytime. And I just don't think it's that easy. Even if you're world class, like Mbappe, Messi, Neymar, and everybody else that's in that team. It's just not that easy to hit the switch. And even though we do see it, you know, they had that game where I recently where they played and it was they were pretty drab, even though they had, again, a lot of similar names for 75 minutes. Then all of a sudden it's bang, bang, bang. You know, you have your world class players do world class things and Mbappe finishes it. You're like, all right. You know, it kind of it kind of just puts a bandaid on on why can't they do that a little bit more consistently? Why are they just letting, letting teams hang around when they don't need to? Maybe they're bored, dude. I don't know. I mean, it, maybe this shit's too easy for them. I have no idea. But I thought they looked pretty good against Madrid. I was really impressed with that performance because they'd just been so hot and cold this season. You just didn't know which team was going to turn up. And I just thought on both sides of the ball, that was probably the most disciplined performance I'd seen from PSG this this season against Madrid. Just really thoughtful, uh, not taking necessarily any big risks, letting their, getting their players that are really talented, getting the ball a little higher up the field. And, and uh, they probably should have won by more than one goal. Probably a uh, little fortunate for Madrid there. But, uh, yeah, this PSG team, a bit of an enigma, as they say. Yeah, I agree. I think,
1: uh, you know, my, my final thoughts on that. And our producer Dez had a good point that Marquinhos' uh, lack of pace was really exposed in this one. And definitely food for thought for Real Madrid in, in the second leg of that matchup. But I, you're right in the fact that I was, I was wildly, Im- like overly impressed in their Champions League game because it looked mature. It didn't mm-hmm. look like, you know, when we yeah, talk about yeah, Barcelona, yeah. Real Madrid in their best days, you saw a team being put together over years, right? Pieces put into place, but PSG sort of just had this crazy, like get everyone. And I was just always, I've always known that like you're, like, you're talking about a lot of egos, a lot of people with a lot of needs and a lot of different leadership styles, a lot of different backgrounds, which is every team, but to put it all together in one year, you're kind of like, man, what's going to happen here, right? What's mm-hmm. Who's going to take mm-hmm. over this team? And I didn't think that we would see that performance against Real Madrid. I thought we'd see egos come out. And I was I was wildly surprised. But to go and get smacked uh the next weekend makes me wonder like like you said, is, is there just an arrogance? Is there's this belief that we can turn it on or play against anyone? Or is this is this sloppy game playing against a team that is just gonna scrap against us and fight and make it difficult and battle for 50-50 balls and play direct and however it is that they're playing against, is this not entertaining for us? Is this not
2: motivating or stimulating? I always just wonder. I that. don't know. It's 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 interesting because. I don't know. Somebody put out a stat, which is hilarious, by the way, that Fred actually has more goals in his respective league than Messi has in his respective league, which is awesome, by the way, that Fred has got three goals in the Premier League and Messi's got two in Liga. And and everybody thought he was just going to come in and, and walk, walk Liga. It's the quote unquote Farmers League or whatever. And it just hasn't been that easy. And I think in some ways that also kind of defines psg that again you have all this talent on paper but you still have to go out there and execute and and i honestly i think the biggest challenge for Mauricio pochettino is which of these which one of my luxury players is going to come out and perform today you know which one of them is actually engaged and focused to make that happen now we could probably look at a few plays in that not game where you know if things just had gone the penalty whatever you know there's always a fine line between success and failure and if something gets turned you know maybe they go on and win the game but uh yeah, it's tough. And and to, to producer Des's point about Marquinhos with the lack of pace, I just don't know if Benzema is the player that can that can really hurt them. Vinicius, maybe, but you know, we've seen Madrid get remember when Christian Pulisic played in the Champions League semifinal against Madrid, they, they put him up high. And I actually thought he that he scored the first goal because he got in behind. Yeah. It'd be interesting if Madrid could think of a way to maybe get Vinicius a little higher up the field, see if he can be the one that creates the verticality. And then that, that Benzema, similar to Harry Kane. Can drop into that space almost vacated by Vinicius, who is creating that verticality to then turn and play because we know that Benzema is also very talented at combining. Well, that's that's you know, uh, and and we can that's kind we of can wrap, say wrap, that wrap for up, a Champions League preview like, another time. Yeah, but but it's
1: literally the release of that the speed of that release that I saw from Spurs that was really exciting, which is like, oh yeah, okay, I get what you're trying to do, but you're never gonna do it to then actually doing it. and You go, okay, mm-hmm, that's how mm-hmm. you break a team down, right? And Benzema doesn't have the pace to spring out anymore but he could be the one that draws people in that allows others to spring out and sort of have that one two punch jimmy we pretty much covered uh the the things we wanted to cover today obviously yeah. want to give you uh the microphone one last
2: time if you have any uh closing thoughts you know the my thoughts are <laughs> about obama yang dude I, there's something about that this performance by him that that makes me excited for the future for barcelona i, I think that uh they they've concocted something even though being incredibly bankrupt and and they still found a way to 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 now get a billion dollar project to revitalize their stadium and found the money to sign Ferran torres and have really scraped together a team that i think can be competitive and i really like what javi's doing and i love that he's gushing over Sergio Dest at the moment i think that bodes well for Sergio's future and I, I think that barcelona are starting to unlock a few things which i don't think it's going to make any difference this particular season, but I just want to give a shout out to Aubameyang. We knew that he'd probably go in and score a couple goals and, you know, try to stick it to Arsenal fans a little bit, but Arsenal won this weekend too, so there's nothing to be sad about. I mean, it's it's just
1: a wild thought that, uh, you know, it, it's just a wild thought to me that they let him go for free to Barcelona and it just shows you the, the, the clout, I guess, or the, not, not clout because clout is temporary, but like just the value that Barcelona has for a player like that, that they one could recruit a player in the, in the worst of times. And not that there was going to be a lot of teams that wanted Aubameyang, considering you, you were taking a risk on some level right. and it's just sort of ends up being, uh, a perfect, uh, sort of match so far. And by the way, the U S women's national team is currently up three nil over New Zealand in the, she believes cup after drawing their opener with a new can,
2: team, lots of young, can one, I, can I just state for the record that center back for New Zealand, Michaela Moore has three own goals. That's, and, uh, no joke. That's is that what that's what, true? that's what they're listing. They're listing right now that she has three own goals, center back for New Zealand. That, that I need I need not, to now go see these. That's unbelievable. That is that is not good. I will say uh on that note, and by the way, it's 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 scoreless
1: at halftime um in the Bass Derby. And they say one 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 with Lazio at halftime. But yeah, I remember playing in the Confederations Cup, Jimmy, and New Zealand. FIFA used to have a team of the tournament and a flop of the tournament. And I won't say who who got to flop of the tournament but a New Zealand player did. And there was like, what an interesting thing, right? And I think it was because there was a couple own goals from New Zealand in the Confederations Cup um, or may have been World Cup that they did the whole thing. But like either way, uh, there was a couple own goals from New Zealand. So hopefully it's not a habit. But yeah, I got to go back and watch that. Um, But that is it from us, Jimmy. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you all for watching and or listening. Follow K. Golasso podcast on Twitter at Pod. Subscribe to the kegalasso page on YouTube and hit the notification bell. And of course, subscribe to Kegelasso wherever you get your podcasts. kegalasso has loads more to come this week, starting on Monday with Fabrizio Romano, the Champions League preview, and as always, the USMNT Hour, which will be live on YouTube at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time. We'll be going live on YouTube again after Tuesday and Wednesday's Champions League action, and with new MLS season, with the new MLS season about to begin. We've got you covered with an in depth preview coming out on Thursday, as well as too many exclusive interviews to count, including (laughs) Chicharito, like the way I said that, Andre Blake, Pat Noonan, and so many others. And of course, from myself, Jimmy Conrad, and our producer, Des Norris, and everybody else that works on this wonderful podcast, we thank you so much for tuning in, for watching, for listening, and we will see you guys tomorrow.
2: Later.